In this episode of The Ziggler Show, we hear a clip from Zig Ziggler on how he works out his goals. And it got me to thinking about evidence in our lives of just that, working on our growth and progress. I asked the Ziggler audience, if I snooped through your home, office, and car, what evidence would I find of you pursuing personal growth? Tom Ziegler and I talked through some insightful responses that brought up some key issues around pursuing just that, our personal growth. Welcome everyone. I'm Kevin Miller and this is The Ziegler Show, where our focus is increasing your performance in your personal and professional life, drawing straight from the legacy of one of the most inspiring leaders of our age, Zig Ziegler. This is our weekly Q&A episode I do with my co-host and the CEO of Ziegler and Zig's son, Tom Ziegler. In these Q&A shows, I often play a short clip from Zig Ziglar, or, or I'll take a hot topic and post it to the Ziglar audience. From the responses, we get some of the most poignant and relevant input into the realities of walking out personal and professional development and growth in the real world and current circumstances of our lives. I invite you to join us in these weekly discussions at Facebook. Find me at Kevin Miller CO. Okay, friends. So yeah, I listened to a clip from Zig Ziglar about how he literally tangibly works at his goals. And it got me to thinking about where we do and don't generally work at our personal and professional growth tangibly. I mean, we may set goals, but do we really work on them daily like a task? I mean, if I want to go faster on my mountain bike per se, I work out, I go on rides, short, long, slow, hard. I'm consistent. I track my progress. Well, am I this diligent with my goals, with what I say is most important in my life? So I posted this question on Facebook. If I snooped through your home office and car, what evidence would I find of you pursuing personal growth? And honestly, I had it in mind to, to wonder, is there enough evidence to convict you and me? And there were a ton of responses and it brought out, again, just some key elements we're all challenged with in our pursuit of overall growth. Even the big question that Joe posted in response to people citing they had so many personal and professional growth books when he said or asked, yes, but does that mean one is truly growing? Big medicine in this show. If you're new to The Ziggler Show, it is one of my three podcasts. You can find them all and more at my website, kevinmeller.co, or on any social media at kevinmeller.co. At the website, you'll find some show highlights and resources and the videos of me with my guests and co-hosts. My Motive podcast is my flagship, and where here on The Ziggler Show, we talk a lot about what people have done. In my Motive podcast, we talk about why. What are their reasons for doing all they have done, good and bad? I believe motive is a root issue of all personal development and one we as a culture are missing. Then I have the True Life podcast where my co-host, Dr. Randy James, and I talk about your health and wellness, but more importantly, the psychology of striving to be well in our more and more unwell culture. The point is not health and wellness in and of itself, but as a means to an end. If you want your life running at top notch, you need to be as well. In all the shows, we do a lot of Q&A. I invite you to join us on Facebook at Kevin Miller CO. And again, you can find everything we do at the website, kevinmiller.co. Okay, here are some quick resources for you, and then we'll dig in with the show. The question basically is this. Ziegler, you say it takes time to set goals. How much time does it take on a daily basis to follow through? Very important question. Here's what it takes me. The first of the week, it generally takes me roughly 30 minutes. I do that either Sunday night or early Monday morning. 
30 minutes to, to figure out what are the most foremost important things that I've got to do, the goals I want to work on this week. Then each day, it takes me roughly 10 minutes. I keep the performance planner with me. What I do is, uh, like if I get up at 5.30, which I frequently do, I simply keep a schedule then uh, by each event that changes. How long I spent doing this and how long I spent doing the other. At the end of the day, then I sum it up. Then I can evaluate immediately whether I have accomplished my reasonable objectives for that day. I give myself a grade on each one, either a plus or a minus. If I had a physical goal, plus or minus. A social goal, plus or minus. Somebody asked me during the break, do you expect a plus on every one of them every day? Obviously not. For example, my social goals, I do not want a plus on every one of them every day. That simply means that I would be spending too much time visiting and not getting things done. But at the end of the week, the ones I uh, do not reach, I mark it the minus in red. That way I can instantly at the end of the week look. And if I got too much red, then I look where I got the red and I'll know whether or not I really had an effective week. Now, the question is, how do you reach all of those goals? You start by recognizing that this is going to involve change. Now, all change is not progress, but you can put it in the bank. Without some change, there's not going to be progress. Can a person change? Yes, they emphatically can change. Well, Tom, I am, uh, I'm just going to jump in with some comments because people brought up some really good things in regards to working out your goals. And again, you grew up with this. You grew up with this message. I think it's one of the things that made Zig stand out so well, because it wasn't just, hey, set goals and go after them. But, he's, but, but you guys teach how to actually do this. You just did a Ziggler Legacy certification last week online uh, with a bunch of people who are working out their goals. So that's what we're talking about here. Uh, right off the way, bat here, Brian Lynchard, he says, my coaching program membership would be evident for me, my car full of gym and hiking gear, my trading log at E-Trade where I'm trying to learn to profitably trade options. And that one, Tom, stuck out to me because, you know, it is one thing and we're going to continue talking about it here in the next moments. It's one thing to be gaining knowledge, another thing to be learning. And I like that he put there, he's actually learning how to trade. And I find that, you know, it's so easy just to go about and get more knowledge and do our stuff. But when do we actually learn, like learn something new, learn something additional? I know you, you're somebody I hold up there as a lifetime learner and you're always seeking to learn whether it's in your business and field of expertise or you're, you're prone to go off and learn about just something that interests you as well, which I see is indicative of our leaders and influencers today. They're just interested. They're curious. That's what I find in you, Tom. Yeah, you know, I, I get off on those tangents. I'm kind of the nerd. I can't get enough information uh, on some things. And then I'll usually go all in for, for a period of time. And it will either go away or it gets incorporated into some part of my life. Uh, 
and you know, when, when somebody's like very actively engaged in learning about some sort of investing or, or real estate or, or trading, uh, one of the things that you can do with that is is you can track actually the action steps behind it. What are you doing with it? What's what's it resulted in? You know, I heard one time, I think I learned this in church, that you can tell where somebody stands, uh, what they believe in by just reviewing their checkbook. Yeah. You know, what do they what do they spend their money on? Uh, there's nothing better than a logging system. Yeah. Whether you are taking the Ziegler Performance Planner and writing down stuff as you go through every day in a journal, or whether you're investing money and you can track it through a, uh, either a real or an imaginary portfolio, whatever it is doing, to get that kind of feedback. But this I do know, uh, Dad was a big proponent of this idea, and that was to learn one new word a day, like to take the dictionary, learn one new word a day. And what happens is that word goes into your everything you know, and it bounces around and it creates new ideas. And so one of the most powerful benefits about studying something, even if you don't necessarily follow through all the way, is it usually combines with other things that you know, and out of that comes a new way of a new perspective, a new way of seeing life. So yeah. You know, what a great process. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, again, this is so much of that. I've always had this perspective in my life of what if I was being videotaped? Maybe it's paranoia, Tom. But, you know, in this day and age, we pretty much are. You know, we're, we're, it's, it's hard not to be in a glass house. And I think in a lot of ways, it is, it's good. Okay, and on that note, here's a good, a good post. Marvin Pennick. he says, I'm afraid if you snooped around in my home, my office, my car, you'd find a lot of mixed signals. Well, I ask him, explain that. He says, well, I've got a book on intermittent fasting on my nightstand and there's two candy bar wrappers in my trash can, etc." And I know you're like laughing, but isn't that the truth? And I, how often do we get derailed because we feel what Tom, I mean, hypocritical or we feel like I, you know, I've lost some momentum, but I like that because mixed, mixed signals, Man, I, I right away thought, me too, me too. And to some degree, not to minimize it or justify it, but man, none of us is perfect. And I think we're best off to, I would, I would tell Marvin, man, have grace with yourself that, you know, at least you have a book on intermittent fasting. You're making a deposit, even buying that book and having the thought is kind of make you, and I'm pulling this stat out of the air, but we play with it a lot. I'm going to say just the knowledge, just the awareness is going to make you help you make 10% better nutritional decisions. Even if like that, you, you feel guiltier about those two candy bars. Maybe tomorrow you won't do them. Maybe tomorrow you only have one. Maybe two is better than the five you normally have. I don't know. But just the fact that you're pursuing something, Tom, I mean, I do, I put a lot of merit just at exposure and how we talk about, you know, in business, moving the needle. If we can move the needle a little bit, and I think we get caught up so much, and man, it's all or nothing. And as you know, that often, that often derails people. If they can't be okay sometimes with, hey, it's two steps forward, one step back. Today, I only took half a step back. Okay, yesterday, I took three steps. But overall, man, I'm five steps further ahead this week than I was last week. The, the idea of incrementalism of, you know, dad's philosophy, which I love, we call it the termite philosophy at, at Ziegler, which is this hurricanes and tornadoes. When it comes to damaging houses, they get all the publicity. But the reality is, is termites do more damage 
and they take such little bitty bites. And yeah. so whenever we are reading something that's going to overall help our personal development, our health, our spiritual life, our relationships, uh, business acumen, whatever that is, and we start moving in that direction, our input changes our thinking and our thinking changes our action. And then I get to this idea, Kevin, and, and maybe you can comment on this, and that is so many of us, we don't have the right definition of success. We tend to fall into the comparison zone. Well, you know, that Kevin Miller, he, he does intermediate fasting. I mean, he eats one meal every other week. He is a beast. <laughs> That's very intermittent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then we criticize ourselves because we can't go eight hours without a Snickers bar. And I think, I think what we've got to do is get rid of the comparison. You know, dad said this, he said that success is the maximum utilization of the abilities that God gave you. And so let's just say that you're working on intermittent fasting and you're working on your own self. Uh, and maybe your habit has been to have a couple of Snickers bars a day. You know, what, what about this week? We just have one a day and next week uh, we cut that Snickers bar in half and we have half a day. And then we start increasing the amount of hours between our meals to see what happens. I did that. I did intermittent fasting for, four or five months. And it, it works really, really well for me. There's a number of things that work well for me. Uh, my body runs cleaner in the morning time during my think time. Uh, if I've gone 12 hours or more without food, not everybody's like that, but what's the point? The point is, is that I'm always learning. I'm always open to something that's going to raise the, raise my productivity just a little bit, my performance a little bit, but I've got to keep it in context of what success really is. Uh, well, and you just remind me of that at reality that, yeah, we get started, we're gung ho and then we lose momentum, you know, and it's, it's going to happen. And I've, I've learned to kind of become friends with that a little bit. It's funny. You mentioned fasting. I intermittent fasting at this point, I've done it so long. It's easy, you know, to go from dinner the night before and make sure at least 12 hours, if not 15, 16 go forward. But oh, so with our buddy, Dr. Randy James, our doc, we did last year, a bunch of three day fasts, uh, to where it, it didn't see, I didn't enjoy it, but it wasn't that hard. Then I went and I, I, I made the, uh, I did the longest one. I did five full days, uh, and I fasted. Was I got a water. Was that water only or what? Well, uh, yeah, water, coffee. Yeah. Yeah. But, but nothing else. Coffee well, never, coffee never counts. Right. It's just, I haven't been able to kick that one. Water, coffee. I, you know, I did seltzer water and stuff like that, but just, you know, just liquids like that. Did that. Uh, that was, gosh, I, I want to say that was a spring. I have not fasted one day since then. And, uh, it, I'm, I'm okay with that. You know, I, I, I keep, I've been thinking lately, ah, it's about time to, and I'll probably do a new year's and do a three day and whatever. But, you know, again, that feeling of that we've got to, I mean, there is benefit of inertia, uh, with the things that we do, but again, I think just being okay with some of those mixed signals, you know, is a big deal. Um, Sean Langwell here, he says, uh, and, and if I audited him, you'd find many post-it notes with goals and affirmations on them sayings like it's a great day to have a great day you are valuable don't settle for less people need encouragement help them 
Uh, I am an international best-selling author. Okay, this is his affirmations he's saying. Mind, mind your own business. It feels great to be debt-free and financially secure, etc. Uh, you'd also see a whiteboard above my desk with personal goals on one side and work goals on the other with these words written in red. Ask, believe, and receive. All right, Tom, I put that on there because, I mean, this is Ziegler. We know about personal affirmations. And when I read that, I thought, man, I... I've fallen away from it a little bit. I mean, I've got some here, but even the ones that I have, I'm looking over here and I've got a, a poster on my wall that says, believe my wife did it for me. And it has uh, the things of building our house. So we designed our house, general contracted, and I did a, a lot of the labor on the thing and it seemed overwhelming. We did it and, you know, believe, but that also it's been there in the same spot for so long. I don't often see it. And I thought I'm, I've fallen away a little bit from having those affirmations and the ones that do best for me are the new ones or the ones that I replace somewhere. I mean, we've talked about that for years, Tom, you know, the ones you uh, put on your bathroom mirror, your rear view mirror of your car, your desktop monitor, your phone, what do they call it? White paper or your background screen or whatever that we can just inundate ourselves. And I think I took it for granted and I fallen away for a little bit. So I, I, that's why I posted Sean's cause I thought, Ooh, I need to jump back into that one. I can bolster that one. So do you put them on your mirror at home? Yeah, I'll, I'll put them. I'll put them on the mirror. Sometimes I'll write with a, uh, a dry erase marker on there. Sometimes in the morning, if I feel convicted about something, I'll take a sharpie and write it, like on my on my hand or my wrist or something like that. I'll do that. Uh, I've done it in my car. I'll put stuff. I don't like stuff in my pockets. I don't know. I have some issue with that. So I'll take a post-it note and write something and put it in my pocket. Cause I put my hands in my pockets a lot, especially when I'm standing like I am now put in there and go, ah, what is that again? Oh yeah. And it's some note to myself. So I do generally, but again, I've fallen away from it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, dad used to put a, uh, a stone in his pocket and it was a smooth stone, you know, and and uh, every now and then, he, when he was with a group of people, he'd pull it out. He says, hey, I carry this stone in my pocket. And as soon as I can go 24 hours without sin, you know, without thinking something wrong, without being judgmental, whatever, he said, I'm going to throw it at the first person I see. <laughs> that's, that's perfect. And everybody laughs, right? They all laugh. And so if you have an affirmation that you have written or you love, uh, one of mine is uh, I'm getting fitter and fitter every day in every way. Kind of that you said you don't put stuff in your pocket, but one of the things you can do is you can get a reminder, a symbol, uh, like a stone and put it in your pocket. And every time you feel it, it's just a little thing. Hey, I'm getting fitter and fitter every day in every way. And what we know about these affirmations is we are informing our, uh, our subconscious mind. And it starts giving directions. It's, it starts telling us, hey, you need to do this. You need to do that. And before you know it, you're doing things you never thought you would do. Uh, that's why I asked. I think uh, David Goggins, he, talk, he has people put stuff on the mirror a lot. That, that's a great technique. The first time I heard it was uh, 1973, 74, when dad was losing his weight. Yeah. And he that infamous story of, being at the doctor's office and seeing the professional uh, baseball player in the, in the ad uh, advertising jockey shorts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so dad, you know, even though he was, it was against the rules, he took that sheet of paper out and he put it up because 
that was the waistline that he wanted to have. He wanted to have, I guess back then that was their definition of abs, right? Yeah. Uh, he, he wanted, that's what he wanted to look like. So that was his like affirmation his self-talk. Well, your stone story, Tom reminds me. So we had Will Bowen on the show, episode 763, if anyone wants to look it up and his book, and I was trying to find it in the bookshelf. I can't spy it, but it's a, a complaint free world. Uh, I believe was the name of the book, but had him on and he came to a, a, a level of notoriety for these purple wristbands. So you wear a purple wristband and you keep it on one arm, you know, on your wrist until you make a complaint. And if you complain, you got to move it to the other wrist. And he, you know, kind of had this little, little phenomenon that he did with people, but just to get them aware of how often we complain. And it was uh, that physical memento of doing that. So kind of like the stone. So yeah, so many neat things that we can do, uh, in that, in that aspect. You are listening to The Ziggler Show and this Q&A episode on evidence of us working out our goals. Next, someone cites all their Ziggler materials, but specifically the performance planner that was made to work out your goals. And then the question arises about all of our growth materials. Do they really mean we're growing? It is just such a legitimate question. So here are some resources I think will be relevant for you. Then we'll get right back to it. Uh, well, Christine Apple here, she says, uh, my performance planner goes with me everywhere. Devotionals, I have read Zig's Daily Insights each day along with two others. Uh, additional personal development books and seminars. Um, and then uh, MP3s of Zig and other speakers I listen to on my commute while I attend Automobile University. And each year I get better, uh, but I can always do more. Well, obviously I put in there because that's Ziggler stuff right there. And folks, if you're hearing that shameless promotion for those, you can find those all at Ziggler.com. The Ziggler Performance Planner has probably had some of the most profound testimonials of any self-help resource I've ever heard of in my life. Uh, and she talked about Zig's Daily Insights. That's a book you can get. You guys have it in stock. You can get it at the store there, right, Tom? That's right. You can go to Ziggler.com and get that. In fact, I'll show you my uh, my copy of it since we're on here, Facebook Live as well. So all of our podcast listeners, I'm simply yeah. holding up a copy of the Daily Insights with Zig Ziglar. And here's something real personal. If you that is the page, the book uh, autograph or, or signed to me from dad. And I love that yeah. signature. Uh, I just love that signature because this is at the end of dad's life when he was struggling with, with Alzheimer's and, uh, the writing, for, the writing in there, uh, was a little shaky, uh, but it was so intentional. It just meant so much to my heart. So here's an intentional thing that everybody can do. And that is that as you're, you know, as you're doing things, if you're, if one of your habits around your goals is to read information, that's going to help you grow as a person. If you're reading a book and it reminds me, it reminds you of somebody in your family uh, that you love. And there's something about that that reminds you of that person. Write a little note to that person in, in the margin of the book and it becomes a legacy piece. Yeah. And in fact, uh, you know, when you get done with the book, you can pass it on to them or you can let them know, hey, I was reading this book. It reminded you of you or me of you. And you just you just put that in there. 
Yeah, you know what? I even love the idea, Tom, of having a book like that, and you have to send it personally. And even if there's, you know, somewhere in page or chapter three, this section, there's something that makes you think about this person to underline that and to send them the book with a bookmark there. Say, hey, bookmark this and underline this because it reminds me of you. Talk about something powerful that will mean more to somebody than just a book in and of itself. You know, and just real quick, because Christine talked about MP3s and whatnot, uh, you can go to Ziggler.com and there are lots of audios there uh, that I love. However, you can also go to, you know, before we started numbering the shows, it was like in the, before I started hosting, which was right around 200 or 250, something like that. The 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 uh, the posts before that were primarily just long clips of Zig, uh, anywhere from five minutes to fifteen minutes, and even a lot of my early shows as host were a lot of that. So you can get a ton of Zig Zig Ziglar content absolutely free here on the podcast, especially if you want to go back and listen to those earlier ones. Um, but then you can get, of course, the you know compilations of them at Ziggler.com. Well, Tom, Joe uh, Lalonde here, he says simply, it was after somebody talked about books, all the books, is, that was the number one thing sourced is books. That's what you would find at my home, in my car, at my office, books, books, books. And Joe said, wisely asked, yes, but does that mean one is growing? Tom, I'll lob that to you. I, I, I had some thoughts right off the bat, but you take that because that's a valid question. It's a valid reality. Here's what we know. Uh, if you're putting the right information into your mind, it's going to eventually catch up and have a positive impact. Uh, I think dad would say it's kind of like the Chinese bamboo tree. Sometimes you, you know, you, you, you plant the seed, you water, it, you fertilize it. And the first year, nothing happens. You plant, you, you water, it, you fertilize it. The second year, nothing happens. The, the third year you, you, you water it, you fertilize it, nothing happens on the fifth year the bamboo will grow 90 feet in a little over 30 days, sometimes 45 days, two to three feet a day is the growth rate on it. And so just because you don't see the fruit, the evidence of what you've been putting in doesn't mean it's not benefiting you and it's taking root and it's going to show up. Now, on the other side of that coin is this. Dad said that we have to recognize, claim, develop, and use all the qualities that we have inside of us. And so there's a thing called cognitive dissonance. So if you're reading something and it says, hey, you know, you were born to win, you're a champion, you, you can accomplish so many things beyond you can even imagine, you have all the equipment to do it, you just got to set your mind to it and go do it. But if your mental mindset is, yeah, that's not me, that's other people then it's going to be difficult to get those results. But you're going to be better off continuing to read that information, that stuff that's taking you in the right direction than if you don't do it. Yeah. Right. And hopefully what it does is you learn enough to say, golly, I'm just not changing. I need to, I need to go talk with somebody, work with someone who can give me some insight and input in this area. So what are your thoughts on it? Well, I mean, like, you know, exposure, to anything positive is ultimately, I think, going to add up to good things. I used to get a little frustrated with it. And, and even with what I do to think, gosh, are, am I really helping people change or is this just positive entertainment? 
Um, but the testimony is over time. Everybody's on their own process, their own timeline, their own journey is that it does keep hope alive. It keeps inspiration alive. And it may take a lot of time, just like you said, before it actually manifests. But I think if people keep it coming in, especially as opposed to bad input or no input, input, it will help. However, I do like the idea and Tom, you can correct the details, but I know Zig had a statement or you did about to actually create change or to actually integrate something in ourselves to get that seed planted. You need to listen to something or take it in repeatedly, even up to a number of what, what do you say? Like 16, 17 times, 17 times. They've done a lot of studies to really uh, make the, make what you're listening to a part of you. It takes 17 times of listening to it before it just becomes a part of you. I know people who, 40 years, 50 years have been listening to Ziegler audio every single day. And they know the words, they can finish the sentences, but you know what? It's putting their brain, their mind in a position of clarity and authority to take action on the things they want. Yeah. It's a, it's a very, very powerful thing. You've just got to make sure that what you're putting in is the truth. Well, and that's, that's where I do. Sometimes I'll question how much new things, do you really need the next new book, the next new personality, the next new, whatever, or do you look at the key areas you want to grow in your life and do some repeat, even if it gets boring uh, and you want to, you know, shuffle that, put a few things in, but then come back to it and come back to it. And I find those things that really propel me the direction I want to go, Tom, I'll come back to again, especially books. I'll come back to it again. And some of that is I'll admittedly a frustration sometimes of what I can know and even speak and talk about here on the show and then realize, man, I'm not doing as well as I would like in that area. But again, you know, the more exposure, but I do like the idea of also repeating, especially those core messages and not having to always be something new, which goes back to you. You know, there's Seth Godin, one of the biggest names in business talks about, he listened to secrets of closing the sale 70 something times over and over and over and over and over to get it in there. Well, uh, Nicole, Christine, she says you would find lots of books on my bookshelf, many podcast shows I listen to. Uh, those are the most obvious, but you could also see it in some of the emails I receive and the people I follow on social media as well. Well, that stuck out to me. It kind of reminded me of the Jim Rohn statement, you become the sum of the five people you hang around most. But I just started thinking, you know, with all that, you come into my, my, my office here, I'm sure just like yours, Tom, it's a bastion, man. It is a kingdom of personal development stuff. But what about my emails to people? What if you went on there and found all I was talking about was goofing off and playing video games and whatever? Now that would be dissonance as you talked about, but it did make me think about would my conversations with others showcase personal growth? Would my emails, would my texts, would my social media uh, do? I know some people, you know, who are, are, I would give them some expertise in personal growth, but you go look at their social media and it's not really that great and helpful. You know, there is some dissonance that I see. What about the conversations at the dinner table or the lunch table? Would they find personal growth in our communications? And I just thought, you know, written and verbal, I thought it's a good thing for us all to muse 
and to audit and not to focus on a negative side, Tom, but I'm sure that you have times seen somebody who has, you know, a great message. They have something to offer in personal development, but there's dissonance. You see that, yeah, somehow it's not, it's not relating to all areas, areas of their life. And it's, it's odd, but I think going back to, uh, I can't remember who, uh, Pitt Marvin, you know, uh, I think for all of us, we probably find some mixed messages amongst that we are human, but it's a good thing to audit. Don't you think? I do. Um, and, and this is a testimony to how the input changes the response to uh, what you see or what you hear. I, I was doing a lot of study earlier this year, probably about eight months ago, right at the beginning of all this pandemic stuff, maybe even a year ago. Uh, I've been doing this a while. And what I was learning was this. If somebody overreacts to you, okay, they they attack you, they come at you full frontal. I mean, they are just upset or mad. Or uh, there's a post out there that is just inflammatory, right? And maybe it's posted on your social media or somewhere else. I've trained my mind to ask myself this question. And that is this, would a secure person do that? And so because of my learning, my input, my habit of trying to grow personally, now, whenever I see something that objects to my, you know, what I know the truth to be, you know, what, what, what are good relationship skills? How should we communicate? How should we treat other people? When I see something that goes contrary to that, my first question is, are, is the, are they a secure person? Yeah. And usually my conclusion is, no, they're not a secure person. Something happened in their life that's made them insecure, and so when I acknowledge that the other person isn't secure, it, then that takes my emotion out of it. I'm no longer tempted to get even, to retaliate, to come up with some ready response, to put them in their place, whatever. Instead, I just, I just tone it down and know that, hey, they're an insecure person. There's nothing I can say that's going to appeal to their logic, probably. So I'm going to be polite and kind, and I'm going to move on. Uh, and if they want to take it in a different place uh, with the, with the right, you know, respect involved that I'll, then I'll go there. But usually it's just a kind, polite uh, response that, that doesn't give them any leverage to come back. Why am I saying that? Because if we looked at the world through that lens, Hey, is what I'm listening to or reading or what's being said to me right now, does this compare to what I know to be the truth, okay? Now here's the catch in this. If you're not listening to and reading and surrounding yourself with the truth on a daily basis, you don't know what the truth is. You can get wrapped into whatever that emotional thing is that's going on without even realizing it. And so Kevin, I think, you know, going back to the original question of if we really are committed to goal setting and personal development, is the way we live our life, is there enough evidence to convict us? The question that I would ask everybody here is, what are the things that tip you over that you know are getting you into dangerous territory as far as you're wanting to lash out or respond in kind or, you know, to do something that, you know, hey, I shouldn't do that. If my, if my grandmother was here, she wouldn't approve, Right. And then ask yourself, okay, what, how can I grow to where that doesn't become an issue anymore? Well, my gosh, Tom, when we, you ask that question right now, right now, as of this recording, 
December 2020, such a volatile time where social media and the and media in general is so inflaming and talk about triggering people and we see how they respond uh, to it. It's hard not to say we're best to all bypass it, but if we do interact with it, to go back to where you started there, that most of the time, are we really going to change somebody's mind? Are they really open to change right now? No, you're best off to say something kind and try to love them, I think, because I don't see a whole lot of opinions being changed on social media. I see them being inflamed. It's like road rage, social media rage. Somebody, I'm sure that exists. I've not heard that talked about, but it's got to be there. <laughs> it's got to be there. It's hey, just a, just a shout out to Berna on Facebook. Uh, and you know, just, just appreciate all of our Facebook fans yeah. putting comments in there. Yeah. Uh, Julita, Hey, thank you so much for that. Uh, you know, I think that the, the greatest opportunity we've ever had is a world, right? Whether you're, you're in the U S or you're somewhere else, uh, listening to this podcast is we can respond to others in such a way that they want to be more like us. Right. And so what would make them want to be more like us? How, how would we respond in that way? And so when we start thinking about that and then we've got to then we've got to develop that quality, those qualities inside of us. That's a good roadmap. Yeah. Yeah. When you say that to be like more like us and I even thought just to be their best selves, uh, how do we help them be their best selves? Well, here's a couple more, Tom, Derek Olson. He said he listens to the Strangest Secret CD. Uh, he, he plays it over and over when he's driving. That one is always special to me. That's part of my dad, Dan Miller. His story is as a little kid who grew up, his parents were Amish. He was on a farm. Talk about the most isolated conservative. And he got a hold of the Strangest Secret by Earl Nightingale and listened to that in secret. Can you, can you imagine that, having to listen to personal development in secret? Uh, but, uh, so that's a special one. So Derek cites that one. He plays audiobooks, YouTube videos, other programs when he's driving or walking around at his home and office, books of all kind, personal growth topics, workout equipment, uh, that my personal fitness coach helps create workout programs with and whiteboards with all kinds of business and personal, personal growth plans, strategies, and ideas written all over them. Computers that allow for mastermind meetings of various kinds. Uh, and right after that, Judine, Gorday, she said, a vision board with items checked out, personal development books on her shelf, positive affirmations throughout the, the room. Now, again, I pulled these. We had a ton of comments. I pulled, uh, you know, a comment uh, kind of hitting the highlights of everyone. So that one, though, a lot of people talked about whiteboards and vision boards. And I think that's probably less common than it ever was, Tom. It seems like back you know, decades ago in personal development that was talked about. I don't hear about it as much uh, more. And I have gone through times of having a whiteboard or a big sheet of paper or something big on my screen. Again, just that call out. I like the idea of a vision board and it's a different aspect. Even if you are the type of person who would go through and work out in detail your goals, which you can find out how to do that at Ziggler.com and get resources for that. Um, I'm also pretty, I can get bogged down in them. I, I, I need something that's simple and bold as well. And to have something up there, I mean, think about that just like any big business or endeavor to have, what are the primary things that we are about that we cannot forget? I need those, Tom. Those are some of the things I do more than all, uh, than, than, than anything else just about is sometimes I'll get, and sometimes I'll admittedly, it's out of frustration with Kevin. You're, I'm amazed at what I can just forget. You committed to doing this, Kevin. You committed to wanting to be this. 
to grow this direction and two days have gone by and you haven't thought about it. Okay, stick that sucker up on the wall. So I cannot, I remember one time, Tom, in our home, we took our clock. So we have a big clock. I made it big. It's a big uh, wood round of wood that I cut off and then we routered in it some stuff and the, you know, the numbers and a, a thing, but I took it down and I put, I think it was fruits of the spirit. I put up there. And so the whole family, that's what we would look at to see yeah, whose bedtime is it or what time, you know, whatever, look up there and to have that thing that you're used to looking at gone and there's something new. What a big trigger point. Doesn't take long for that to get normal as well. But, uh, you know, again, back to whiteboards and vision boards. I'm sure you know of so many iterations of how people can do that. I don't know if Ziegler has a I, I, I didn't pull out a resource for that. Tom, anything come to mind? No. Actually, what we teach is in the performance planner, uh, you, you can make that into your dream or vision board. You can, I, I know Howard Partridge on our team, our, our business coach, uh, every year in his performance planner, he cuts pictures out of magazines, he puts quotes in it, and he glues it all into the front, uh, you know, paper clips it in there so that his first five or 10 pages of his planner are all the wild ideas, all the dreams, all the places he wants to go and uh, he's been doing that for years. And so if you're a journaler, you just, just do a journal and do it that way. And now, uh, and I'm a big, I'm a big believer that those who journal, you can get a lot out of it, even if you only journal one sentence a day, but imagine if you put your dreams, your goals, your aspirations, and, and you, you write some things to yourself about the person you're becoming and, and, and you put that in the front. Hey, if you've got a minute, look at it. If you're feeling down, look at it. Uh, in our performance planner, one of the things that we do is pretty cool is we, at the back of the planner, we have a place where you record all the goals that you've achieved. And these can be little goals, medium size, big goals. It doesn't matter. Everything you've achieved during the year and you start recording them back there. I've talked to people. They'll pull me over to that page and they'll show me like 117 goals that they achieved. Right. All the way from. Hey, you know, I worked out every day this week to uh, I lost five pounds to I got that job, whatever it is. They're all shapes and sizes of goals. And when you have that kind of uh, resource, this this place, it's kind of that tracking that the validation. Oh, and David Wright, who is our head coach as far as choose to win goes. Uh, and by the way, everybody, uh, we have just launched the new See at the Top coaching program. So brand new, if that's something, if you want to be a coach and it's something that, that uh, is important to you to make a difference in the lives of other, you need to get in touch with us uh, about our coaching program, our Choose to Win coaching system, and now our new See at the Top coaching program. They're kind of combined together. But David, who wrote those, this is what he says. When you have a victory, Take time to celebrate it. When you have a victory, take time to celebrate it. And that's real important. And something some, for a lot of us, we check it off the list. We do it. We get a little smile. We move on and we never give it a second thought. We really should give ourselves a little bit more credit, a little bit more consideration for accomplishing the things in life that make us better. That's a, a key aspect of gratitude that I try to be more cognizant of is to take that win, take that positive, take that joy and hold on to it. I know how powerful it is and it's so easy to just jump to the next thing or to minimize it, especially if it feels, you know, like it's not humble for us to just really go, gosh, that was great. 
Um, I, Tom, I did want to mention something as far as whiteboards and vision boards that I have. I went through an exercise. It was actually with my old friend, Gary Barkalo. He wrote the book, It's Your Call. And I did a group uh, with him. It was probably 20 guys that we spent three days together. And one of the exercises was to go through magazines, just like you talked about. We literally took magazines, all different varieties of magazines. And he had us go through and create lines based on certain characteristics or feelings or emotions to go through and pick out a picture for that. And what was interesting to me is these are a bunch of guys, you know, you don't think of them as picturey kind of people as much one and two, you got different personality styles. You got extroverts, introverts, visual, kinesthetic, auditory, whatever. And yet across the board, man, everybody really got into it, myself included. And so we did these lines and cut out pictures and put a handful, maybe five or something for every headline, which are things like, you know, do, do pictures for what, what does abundance look like to you? How about fear or confidence or joy or worry, love, hate, wealth, poverty, strength, weakness. I mean, you can think of these things and to do that. And it was so telling. It brought a lot of guys to tears because then they had to explain why. And there were some, some of the most profound ones. It took me a little bit, Tom, you know, where this one that said, well, I think it was abundance. And I had, uh, put out a couple pictures of people asked why, and I said, man, I don't know. And I had to talk about it then and try to unpack that. And it was really moving for me. I have that to, to this day. I have that sheet that we create. It was a big poster board sheet. My wife has a really neat one she did at a women's conference as well. So there's one that anybody can do. You can go get a bunch of magazines. If you don't have magazines, go to a doctor's office and ask them for a bunch of their reject magazines on different things. That's where I get them here. You know, my office is in a medical practice. There's magazines all over the place, but it's just a really neat thing. So much so Tom, um, I may get a bunch of magazines and do that with my kids over the holidays just to give it's just such a neat outlet. It gets for, for somebody like me, especially it gets my brain thinking in a different way. It's a, it's kind of a different creative pursuit than what I normally engage with. So I, I just wanted to take your mentioning of that and put that out for people. Um, so in the one I just mentioned, Derek, he also mentioned weights. That was another really prominent thing that people talked about as far as evidence that we would find of their personal growth. And it was in the area of health and wellness. Uh, Jamie McClellan here, he says, you'd find, uh, books on personal development, 95%. You'd find my journals and writings as well as motivational and inspirational quotes written on the mirrors in the basement in my weight room. And right after that, Renee, uh, Vidor, she said books, Bible open with lots of Bible was of course, very, very much uh, a prominent one, uh, uh, to-do lists, home gym, uh, two instant pots with a fridge full of fresh produce ready for healthy dinners. Uh, so that was one, again, if we look at places where evidence would be, yeah. How about evidence for your health and wellness, personal growth? And Renee did food. I thought, Hey, there's another good one. How about our fridge? Would our refrigerator, what would it showcase? Uh, you know, talk about mixed signals sometimes right now. I just had my birthday. There's some mixed signals. If you look in mine, because I, I kind of went for pie was a motive, uh, a motif, I should say <laughs> on there, but just for a time being, I also, I also ran and, and rode my bike a lot as well, but uh, those were big things. Again, weights, you know, to your physical, what would, what would give evidence to that your food, what kind of intake, if you look at all the areas of input, because when we think about that, especially in this format of podcasting, we're thinking our ears and what are our eyes taking in? What would the videos that are seen in our browsing history? Uh, somebody talked about that browsing history. 
Um, what would that showcase good and bad, you know, for us, what evidence would there be? So if, again, if we, that's why I said the car, uh, as well. Matter of fact, I said the car and, uh, you know, do you know, Jeff Goins, he's a writer, real well-known writer, Jeff Goins. Yes. Um, I don't know him, but I know the name know of him. He said in my, he says evidence in my car. I don't know. I think you'd have to look closer than that. And I thought about that. What evidence? Cause I thought my car, I don't drive a whole lot. So I just, I, the radio didn't even work in one of the car, one of the trucks that I drive, but you'd find a lot of activity. You'd find a lot of wood from wood projects, I think, you know, but again, looking at that, yeah, the fridge, I, I thought that was a really good one. What if we audited everybody for personal growth in their fridge and their pantry, Tom? Yeah, I like that. You know, a question I got asked one time was if, if you suddenly died and your family came in and had to look through everything to find everything, what would they find? Mm -hmm. uh, and of course, in our house, uh, we all know everybody's codes, uh, passwords and everything on phones and text and all that stuff. So we, we just kind of make it a point to be an open book for our family, right? There's, there's really not anything in there that should be so confidential that a family member couldn't see it. Yeah. Um, so we, we kind of keep that open book. The fridge is a good one. Uh, my fridge is kind of empty right now, so I gotta go. I gotta restock. Yeah, I, I've got a hundred kids at home right now, so we got two full fridges right now. All right, you, there was a bunch. There was a bunch of of, of uh, responses here, but Tom, I wanna I wanna end on one with you, okay? I'll sp I'm gonna spring this on you. Okay. So I'm sure you've seen some of the. I don't know, memes or whatever that are been posted. And I, and I didn't think about it till now. So this is not, these, these shows are pretty candid folks. We kind of organically go through things and come up with one. So I didn't go and do my research to come up with what the exact meme was, but it's somewhat, and I don't want to diss anyone who has a really cool man cave. Okay. However, I would like to see that in addition to a study. When I grew up, my grandpa, we would go to his house. He had a study. My dad had a study. You grew up with your dad having an office and a, a study. And it dawned on me because in a short span of time last year, now I've been to your house, Tom, I've stayed at your house overnight and I would, I've seen your house and I see the testimony and evidence of a pursuit of personal growth in your home. Now, Back to our buddy, our, our doctor, Dr. Randy James, my co-host on the True Life Show. He and his family went out of town last year for about a week. Well, I took the opportunity just to take his house and I did a personal getaway. I did a bunch of writing and business creating and time away from my family, just solitude. And I had not done that. I usually do that, you know, in a cabin or even a nice, nice hotel room. I hadn't done it in somebody's home. So I did it in his home. Well, I didn't, I'm not gonna say I snooped back to my premise of this show, but I just walked around and I thought, man, it's so telling that around every corner, there's an open Bible, there's a journal, there's a, there's books, there's, it's all learning and growth. And so his house was this bastion of education. His whole house was a study. And I thought, again, back to this point, what would my house showcase? So during that, uh, and, and within that month, I visited someone else's home. And their house was a, I'm going to call it a bastion again. It was a palace to entertainment. It had God knows how many screens of, of, of gigantic size. It had, you know, pool tables. It had video games. It had projector screens. And it was this uh, ode to entertainment. And I'm saying that, and I know that that's going to step on people's toes because we are in an age 
where that's what is fed to us is entertainment, entertainment. And you, and, and that's what is lauded is what's kind of entertainment. Even your car has to have screens and sounds and all these things. And do I want my life to showcase entertainment or like Randy's house to go in there and go, my gosh, this is somebody who is pursuing the Lord, who is pursuing relationship, who is pursuing truth and growth and is striving. And it was, I I was just so impacted by the chance to, yeah, in essence, snoop around his home and see uh, the beauty and the glory and the strife. And of course I know who he is, but I, I didn't get, you know, how often do you go into somebody's house unattended to, and just, you know, you're walking through and using it and to see how they really live. And it was really convicting, Tom, when I thought about uh, my home. Not that I looked at it and was ashamed of anything, but I thought, gosh, that's for our culture right now. I think we, I not I think, we have an aspiring audience. The people on Facebook Live right now who are, who are watching this, the people, the tens of thousands who are going to listen to this, they're an aspiring people. And I would expect that they are obviously have more evidence to education. But for us all to think about, if we take those education and entertainment, because the pressure in our culture, which is so very strong, so very prevalent, that is, we are so exposed to, whether we want to or not, is entertainment-driven. It is distraction-driven. We've had so many people on the show just recently, Kerry Oberbrunner, with his book, Unhackable, and it's on we are... The, the biggest corporations in the world are trying to get our distraction. That's how they get us distracted. That's how they make their money. Uh, over here... Not not quite as big and flashy as education and knowledge and wisdom that's whispering to us. Is that fair to say, Tom? And over here, entertainment's yelling at us. But that, that's just, it hits me when I think about this is, do I have, again, we're back to that. Would we be convicted? Of I'll, a, yeah. I'll tell, a, I'll tell a quick Zig story, Zig Ziglar story. Uh, when I was... 11, 12, 13, kind of coming of that age for the official birds and the bees conversation. A little bit different 50 years ago than it is now, uh, 40, 40 or 45 years ago. Um, so I can remember just being in our den where we all hung out and all of a sudden all these books started showing up on on the side, the, 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 we always had books laying around. Okay. So don't, it's not like suddenly books appeared <laughs> massive bookshelf behind us, uh, books on the, on the coffee table, books on the side table, whatever dad was reading. And I was looking at the books and I just remember, well, that's kind of weird. And there were all these books that had the words sex in it. And what they were, were, were Christian books on, how to have the birds and the bees talk. Yeah. yeah. That's, <laughs> so, gr- that's great. It's, you know, dad had already read them. He'd be, you know, and, and so what he was really doing was he was kind of creating this environment because what 12 year old is not going to pick up a book that says sex on the front of it in some way. Right. Not in a, not in a uh, inappropriate way, but you know, just, just, just what it is. And so even even in that sense, you know, some things are taught, some things are caught. Right. And I, and I think this is just one of the things that I caught growing up is that the power of the knowledge that's at our fingertips that we can choose to put into our mind and how we can use that to benefit ourselves, but also how we can create the atmosphere and the environment for those we love. Yeah, because if that's what they're you know exposed to on a daily basis, that's the direction they're going to go. 
So what are they going to find? Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's convicted. Thank you for pointing that out. Cause as you know, I have a house full of kids and to think about what are they exposed to? Do I allow the house to be a, a, a throne to entertainment or to education? Cause they're going to, all they know is what I surround them with at this point, especially the younger ones. Well, uh, incredible comments that always make for a great conversation. Tom, it's always a gift to talk through this with you. It always gives me, uh, this one specifically. Yeah. There's some things that I want to bolster. There's some areas where I'm strong, good evidence, but there's some areas like the affirmations, especially that I need to, I need to bolster. So I've got my walking orders. Thanks brother. Perfect. Well, there you go, friends. I hope this was inspiring and convicting and motivates us all to seek more tangible efforts towards our growth while also having grace for ourselves. Thanks again to all who shared in the comments to make it such a valuable show. Again, you can join the discussion by joining us at Facebook at Kevin Miller CO. Coming up in episode 845, I bring you Jess Ekstrom, who people like Netflix co-founder Mark Randolph, Marie Forleo, and John Acuff are just raving about. Jess is the founder of Headbands of Hope, incredibly successful company and mission. And she now brings us a message from her new book, Chasing the Bright Side. Uh, And it's a deep dive into what optimism really is and how we can harness it, how we should harness it. She also has a new service I'm intrigued by called Bright Pages. It's a guided online journal platform that I wanted to showcase to you before the coming new year, though those of you listening much later, it's relevant at any time. Jess is just inspiring to say the least. So till then, folks, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together. (laughs) 